0: Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here And if you are here for the first time, we just want to say welcome, and if you're here and you're part of the family, welcome back. It's great to be together on Sunday. Week two in a series that we are calling Locally Grown. We're making our way through the fruit of the Spirit one at a time, but as Paul originally wrote it, he didn't write it and say the fruits of the Spirit, he said the fruit of of the spirit. In other words, this is a an indivisible amount of fruit all of these together are uh, what God does inside of us when we spend time with him and so it's not okay for us to say, well, I've got the uh, I've got the gentleness thing down. I'm pretty patient, but I'm going to rely on another brother or sister to do the love part or the joy part. No, these are all fruit of the spirit. This is this is something that God wants to produce in all of us that are followers of Jesus Uh, fill in the blank in your head not out loud fill in the blank all I want is to be perhaps you thought that the most popular answer was loved all I want is to be loved all I want is to be healthy it's not the number one answer all I want is to be wealthy it's not the number one answer All I want is to be safe and secure. All I want is to be surrounded by friends and family. All I want, all I want is to be powerful. All I want is to to be influential. All I want is to be at peace. If I could just be at peace, that's all I want. None of those are the number one answer. I asked my uh, seven-year-old niece this question this week. Her name is Lennon. I said, Lennon, fill in the blank. All I want is to be, and she said, a cheetah. (laughs) (laughs) Not the number one answer. Not going to help me on Sunday with my sermon. The number one answer, by far, all I want is to be happy. That's all I want. And you might point to one of those other answers and say, well, that's just a way to get happy. But at the end of the day, the answer that is the most popular is, all I want is to be happy. In other words, all they want is to be joyful. And I know those two are different, but what we want is the feeling of being happy, and that feels pretty similar to the feeling of being joyful, but joyful is really just long lasting happiness. It's much deeper than happiness. Happiness comes and goes with a set of circumstances. Joy transcends a set of, a set of circumstances. You get, you get kind of a collection of adverse conditions, and happiness quickly disappears. But you get a, a set of adverse conditions, and joy is actually confirmed and, and at times even fortified. Joy transcends An adverse set of circumstances. Happiness at the soul level is joy. And so uh, all people really want, they think they want happiness, but joy is actually better. It's deeper. It's it's long-lasting. All people want is to be joyful. And so it begs the question, how do we get that? And if, if we get it, if we get joy... That lasts through whatever we're going through. How do we keep it? How do we become those people that we think of when we think of the word joy? There's not that many of them that come to mind. Because in some ways, you know, happiness, you can go find it a lot of places. But joy? Joy is, is, is more rare than you think. That it is. How do we become the people that have joy? And if we get it, if we become them, how do we stay that way? The good news for us is that the Bible talks a lot about joy. The word joy is mentioned 430 different times in the Bible. And I have searched the scriptures for the last couple weeks, and it seems as though there is somewhat of a path to joy. It's not something, you know this, that we can snap our fingers and just have. But it seems like the Bible lays out a path to it, a journey to joy, perhaps, is what we could call it. And, and I, if you're anything like me, I, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in knowing what is this journey to the joyful life. In this series, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Notice that it is the Holy Spirit that produces this. In other words, it's not something that we can produce ourselves. It's easy to find a church or a set of sermons or podcasts on, on the fruit of the Spirit And it almost comes across as nine more things to try to add to your life, almost like you're trying to put ornaments onto a Christmas tree. If we could just get a little bit more loving for our neighbors, a little bit more patient with our kids, a little bit more joy, then we can look more like Jesus. That's not what this is, that's not what Paul's writing here. What Paul's saying is when you connect yourself to the vine, when you spend time with God, when you really make your relationship with God a key. ...part of your life, the most important, vital part of your life... ...then what's going to happen is that these these fruit... ...these fruits are going to be produced in you. I said this last week, I'll probably say it next week... ...and maybe every week in the whole series. This fruit is not produced by us. It is produced in us. Meaning that these are not things that we can hard work... ...willpower our way into feeling. These are things that are supernaturally produced by the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us when we put our faith in Jesus. It's less about chasing characteristics and more about connecting ourselves to God. This is who we become when we connect ourselves to God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. When he's talking about joy and how to get it, he writes... If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. If you want joy, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. So let's have a conversation today as a church family about what happens when we get close to or even into the thing that has them, God himself. You see, the journey to joy that I think we're all interested in begins with spending time with God. And, and, and from my experience and from what I see in the scripture, when we spend time with God, four things begin to happen that leads us on this journey to joy at the end. And conveniently for me and, and, and conveniently for you, you're not going to believe this, they all start with G. Are you kidding me? All four of these places, these stops along the way, start with G, the journey to joy. The first G on our journey to joy, when we spend time with God, when we connect ourselves to the source, we become aware of our guilt. And you might be thinking to yourself, this seems like an odd place to start on a journey to joy, but this is actually where it starts. The Bible is, is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've got to start with a sober-minded perspective of, of where we're really at, of, where, of, of how we're born, that we're born spiritually dead. We can't start our journey to joy with the mentality of, well, but it's not that bad. I'm not as bad as that person I'm, I'm not as bad as I used to be. No, no, no. The journey to joy starts with I, I have fallen short of the glory of God. If two people both have $100,000 in credit card debt and they walk into some kind of finance class that's going to help them gain financial freedom... And they walk in, and, and the teacher right at the beginning hands out a, a note card to every person and says, hey, I want you to write down the number. What is the number that you owe? Where is your debt really at? And one of the people who owes $100,000 in credit card debt writes down $100,000. They're honest about where they're at, and they turn it in. And another person says, ah, I'm not really really ready to share that information. I'm a little bit embarrassed by that and and not all debt is bad debt and so they begin to justify some of why they're guilty or in debt and they just choose not to turn in a card and they they ask the person well, why don't you turn in a card and the person says well i don't know if it's really that bad i don't even know if i need this class i don't know if i'm going to come back i don't know if i'm really 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 willing to be honest about that quite yet and 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 then the teacher collects all the cards from the class, and, and the teacher says, you're not going to believe this. Due to a, an incredibly generous donor who really wants you to experience financial freedom, they have generously decided to cover all of everyone's debts. Whatever you wrote down has been paid for. So, I mean, just simple question. Who's got more joy? Who has, <laughs> who's, who's on the path to joy? The one who was really honest about where they're at or the one who was a little bit maybe not willing to, to go there. They, they wanted to start with it's not that bad rather than this is where I'm really at. When, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, this is one of the things that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do. In John 15, it says, When he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit will consistently remind you of the gap between who you are and where God's at. And and that's what He does. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind the, the sin that is still in us. And if we say, no, 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 we're not that bad, that attitude will eventually put a cap or a ceiling on the amount of joy that we get to experience. So we have to start with the first G of acknowledging. Where we're at without God, so that God can fill the gap. You may have even already guessed it. The second G. After we become aware of our guilt, we become aware of the grace of God. The more honest we are about our sin, the more that God is able to cover. It is painful. I I bet you've had the experience. It's painful. To dig a little deeper. It's painful to be really honest and reflective. It's painful to come out of an argument with a spouse or a friend. And, you know, in the argument, you were right. You know what I'm saying? Like you were the right one in your mind. But then upon reflection, if you're really honest, it can be painful to dig a little deeper and go, Man, I am more envious than I thought that I was. I am more jealous than I thought that I was. I am more addicted than I thought that I was. I am more prideful than I thought that I was. But if we're willing to dig a little bit deeper, it begins to create a sense of joy because we realize that even the worst part about us, the worst worst parts about us are wiped away through the person of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.11 lays it out. So now we can rejoice in our new, wonderful relationship with God because the Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. I have a friend named Garrett. And Garrett really surprised me early on with something he did. One of the things I noticed about Garrett's life was that he was very, very joyful. And if you were to meet Garrett, you too would think, man, this guy has a joy. I don't see this kind of joy very often. Good day, bad day, Garrett always seemed to have more joy than anybody else in the room. And, you know, it's easy to think quickly, well, maybe he was born that way, just kind of a natural bent to being peppy. But the reality was, is that the first time that I had breakfast with Garrett, Garrett said, I'll pray. And so he began to pray. sure he prayed for perhaps his family or his children or whatever we had going on that day. And at the end of Garrett's prayer, he said, And above all else, God, thank you for your grace through the person of Jesus on the cross. Without that, we have no hope. In Jesus' name, amen. And I thought, dude, it's like eggs and toast. We don't really usually go there in breakfast prayers. And then I realized over time, Garrett always prayed and thanked God for it. It was a way for him to remind himself of what he needed the most. He said, above all else, I, I thank you for the grace of God. And it be, I began to wonder, and perhaps you're just thinking the same thing as I was. Is there a correlation between the joy that Garrett has in his life and his awareness of the supernatural grace of God. I have a sneaky suspicion that they're related. When you spend time with God, when you, when you commune with other believers, or, or when you go and just spend one-on-time with the Lord, what it, what it does is it brings your mind an awareness of this grace of God, which is step two on this path to joy. Step three on the path to joy is an awareness of the goodness of God on top of the grace of God. Maybe you've had the same experience as I have. Let me explain something that I thought years ago and, and frankly have a, a temptation to think even today but but I think I don't think I'm the only one who's felt like this. For many years of my of my Christian life I thought well I know that my sins are forgiven and I know that I'm going to heaven, and one day that will be tremendous. But if I choose Christ, and if I choose the Christian life, then I am kind of choosing a toned-down version of this life. Others that do not follow Christ will experience more joy now, but oh man, one day I'll say, see, I told you so. Jesus was the way. That's what I thought. I thought that by choosing to follow Christ, I was, I was taking out some of the joy and just waiting for the good part. I got the grace part, but I, I thought ah, the, the goodness part of life, that was, was going to be for other people while I wait this out. And one day be able to say, see, I was right. And then, and then I would go and I would read Psalm 119. And I would read what the author would write about the commands of God, or the Word of God, the, the instructions of the Lord. And one of the things that jumped, jumped out at me was that the author wrote, I open my mouth and pant, longing for the commands of God. I open my mouth and pant, longing for the commands of God. I, I just would read that and go, I've never, I've never had that experience. I'm trying to ignore the commands of God. I'm trying to not know them so that I can plead ignorance when it comes to the commands of God. I, I thought by signing up to be a Christian, there were a lot of these rules that if I could just, I just kind of skirt by them a little bit, then I could have a little bit of joy on the side, but really the commands of God, are, are, that's what's going to limit my joy. But when Jesus talks about joy, this is what Jesus said a couple hundred years after the psalmist wrote it. He said, when you obey my commands, in John 15, you remain in my love. And I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's a way to live your life where you just dig your heels in and say, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do relationships my way. I'm going to do conflict resolution my way. I'm going to get money, spend money, spend my time my way. But when we trust in the goodness of God that he is not out to get us, but rather he literally created joy, when we follow his commandments, that is actually the place that our joy begins to overflow. So this, this idea that God is trying to neuter me or give me this toned-down version of a fun life, it's, it's not true. In fact, you guys remember, maybe uh, there was a lot going on at the time with some of the lights behind Chris when he was reading this passage. But one of the things that Chris read right before I came up here was Psalm 16, verse 11. that says that it is God that makes known to us the paths of life, and in God's right hand is everlasting joy. In other words, God made it and God created it and he created it for us to experience. It's not something that he withholds. It's something that he gives us along the way in the journey. And this is one of those things. This is one of those things. You're not going to believe me until you try it. You know what I mean? And, and you can sit there and just go, is, what's Joel on? Is this really how it's going to go? You're just You're not going to believe me that The joy that God wants to offer you is only on the other side of going all in on his commandments. So when we lean into God, when we spend time with God, it gives us an awareness of our guilt. It gives us an awareness of his grace. It gives us an awareness of his goodness on top of the grace. And lastly, when you spend time with God on this journey to joy, after these things, spending time with God has, has a, a way of prompting gratitude. It has a way of prompting gratitude. It has a way of, of making us grateful. And I, if you're thinking, well, I thought this journey was supposed to end in joy, not gratitude. Well, hear me out as I tie a bow on this and show you how this whole journey leads to joy at the end. Do you know who the most joyful people in the world are? I'm not making this up. I'm going to cite my sources here in a second. Do you know who the most joyful people in the world are? Rich people are not the most joyful people in the world. And you might find a rich person that's full of joy. I'm sure there are some of them, but collectively they are not the most joyful people in the world. Uh, Smart people, people with college degrees, master's degrees, advanced in their field, collectively, they're not the most joyful people in the world. Again, I'm sure you could go find somebody who's in that category who's full of joy, but as a group, not the most joyful. Famous people, you probably could have guessed that one. Not the most joyful people in the world. However, think about how often we are searching for happiness or joy by getting noticed or getting attention or getting followers. Think of how happy that makes us when those things happen. But, but even if you were the most famous person in the world getting a lot of attention, that group collectively is not the most joyful people in the world. The most joyful people in the world are grateful people. They're thankful people. They're people that are full of gratitude. In a study of 2,000 Americans three years ago, 65% of the respondents who said that they were very joyful or very satisfied with their lives on a daily basis were expressing gratitude and giving thanks. It was the most common attribute among people that said, I am very joyful, the most common attribute was that they regularly gave thanks and were full of gratitude. If I handed you a piece of paper and a pen, and I said, hey, just as an exercise, here's what I want you to try to do. I want you to write down in a list form everything that you want. Everything that you want, whatever comes to mind, just start writing it down. What do you want that you don't have? Chances are, this is how I think it'd go. One, two, three, probably pretty quick. Four, five. You might get to six or seven, and really you'd have to pause for 10 seconds and think, what else do I want? And then it would come to the point after a minute or two where it would almost be at a standstill. You wouldn't even get to the end of the paper. That's probably what would happen for most of us. And then if I said, flip it over, Flip the paper over, and here's what you get to do now. I want you to take a minute, take two minutes, and write down everything that you already have that you're thankful for. Everything that you have that comes to mind that you're already thankful for. This is, it, it works almost the opposite. You go one, two, three, four, five. Mm, six, seven, eight, nine, And, and all of a sudden what you find is that your hand can't keep up with your head because there's so much to be grateful for. What each of us would discover in that exercise is that the list of things that we want pales in comparison to the list of things that we already have. We would find, I'm not saying life's easy and that gratitude is a natural response to every circumstance that we find ourselves in. But what I am trying to say is that in this life, God has created everything that we enjoy. And there's a sense of gratitude that, that brings that, it, it makes us aware that God is the one who gave it to us. I mean, just, just think for a second about the world that we're living in. Poodles can have babies with golden retrievers. And they can make golden doodles. All different sizes. All different colors. Taco Tuesdays. Sunny beaches. Brilliant doctors. Who have come up with unimaginably creative ways to heal sicknesses and diseases. Sunsets, swing sets, sushi. Crocs. And somehow... In public, they're acceptable. It's a miracle. Bonfires, belly laughing, Buckeye football, getting to hug somebody you haven't seen in a while. God made that feeling. God, in His infinite creativity, made the feeling that we get when we hug somebody that we love that we haven't seen for a year. Jenny's ice cream. And on top of that, that, all of that is on top of this, the reality that the grace of God is available to every person that puts their faith in Jesus. And so when you start to think about these things, when you start to write them down, you begin to feel a sense of gratitude. And, and, and grateful people are the most joyful people in the world. And so you see it's this last step to being a joy-filled person. It's why I cannot... Get behind this idea that God is out to get me. He's out to restrict me. He's a cosmic killjoy in the air saying, do not have fun. I can't get my mind around it. it. just It's not consistent with my life's experience. Because when I walk in the way of the Lord, when I listen to his commands, when I look around at all that he's given me to enjoy, I go, this guy is for me. He created everything that I enjoy. In in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I think, it's one of the two places in the Bible that it actually says this is God's will for your life. One of the things that God says, this is my will for your life, it's to be thankful, to be grateful in all circumstances. This is the attitude that God wants me to have as I go about my life. And it's because God knows that grateful people are the most joyful people in the world. You and I both know we can't snap our fingers and just feel joyful. Joy is a a fruit that is produced in us when we are connected to the vine. And when we are connected to the vine, to the source, to God himself, it, it, it creates this awareness of guilt. It creates this awareness of grace. It creates an awareness of the goodness of God. And at the end of the day, it prompts gratitude in our hearts. And grateful people are the most joyful people in the world. As I've looked at all nine of these fruits of the Spirit, I'm pretty sure I can say this. There is no fruit, if you did divide them up, which we're not supposed to, but if we did, there's no fruit of the nine that is more magnetic than joy joy of the nine is the one that looks the best from the outside and to a whole world that answers that survey all i want is to be to that world that answers happy if this church was full of people that was that we were connected to god in a in a special way and this this fruit of joy just began to just be produced in us and come out of our lives, I can't think of anything that would be more magnetic to a hungry world than joy. And I hope as I've laid the path out today that you might get on it. Can I pray for you? Lord, I pray for our church that we would be as magnetic as Lynn's Fruit Farm in October. That people will not even be able to stay away if they want to. Because they will look at our church, they will look at the people of Three Creeks and say, there just is something there that is supernatural, that is different, that is different than I have. And Father, would you, would you allow us to point people to the source, to you? Because having joy, God, it's, not the, it's what we want, but it's not the end. There, the, the true joy is being in relationship with you. And so God, would you help us to point people to that. To the person in here who thinks that joy is a billion miles away, I pray, God, that you will meet them in a special way this week and give them Christian supernatural joy produced by God in their heart because they're connected to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.